All right, we're only so first things first. Michelle, how are you? I'm good. That's very good to hear. Now, you've very recently released uh, your first book. As a songwriter and now an author, um, what have you learned about your craft in a way, and in, in particular in terms of songwriting? That's a great question. Um... I think that it just deepened my understanding of how to observe the world and what makes it special. I mean, you have to be so concise in songwriting and you have to do that a lot more um, and tap into different elements of things in, in, in writing a book. Um, so I, I, I'm wondering, you know, I haven't written any music since writing the book, um, since finishing the book. Um, but, you know, there are certain things that I've learned from my editor, even, even something so simple, like, um, you know, one thing that was a, a really wonderful, uh, edit from my, my editor was that, you know, I wish that you wrote more about the weather. I feel like that would really ground the reader in, in time and space, uh, in this way. And I was like, write about the weather. Like, who does that? Like, what do you even say about the weather? And so I reread Richard Ford's Rock Springs and Marilyn Robinson's Housekeeping and just underlined all of the sentences about the weather and, and then went and, and found a way, you know, all of the moments that were sort of missing a little bit of color and reinserting and, mm -hmm. and learning how to do something like that. Um, and so I think that little lessons like that, I could maybe reapply to, to my songwriting because they're just, you know, finding impactful ways to to color a scene i think and, and i think that 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 um might lend itself in the future and for you because while well, you mentioned that you haven't written anything since so so it's we can't really go uh, further on that but if you exploring kind of the themes that you have in your book and you have done so uh, on the first and second album or at least that was the period that it's kind of about um did it reignite certain thoughts or had you already kind of uh, gone through gone through it all? I think that, you know, I, so I wrote this, I, I wrote my first draft of this record um, and submitted it in like the summer of 2019. Okay. And then I did go, I did go and write and record the album in, in the wintertime of, of 2019. And then I came back to the book five months later to do revisions and, and finally submitted it in, in the summer of 2020. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think in a way, writing two albums about grief and, and writing this book about that experience as well, it sort of cleared a path for me to, to finally feel done with it. You know, I feel like I've said everything I needed to say about this really traumatic period of time in my life, this really momentous, like change in my life, losing this person that I was able to sort of shift my focus and, and write about something new. And, and the new record is very much about a very different part of the human experience. It's about joy and, and sort of moving forward and embracing feeling in this way. So I think that in, in that in that sense, the book really helped me kind of unpack everything that I needed to about that experience and, and move on. Right, and now am I right in saying that one of the first things you kind of knew about the album is that you wanted to call it Jubilee, kind of just like you mentioned, you wanted to have that happy uh, connotation. Yeah, I did know for a long time that I I I, I wanted like this one word title that would like evoke a, a great feeling, and and so I knew that 
I think that for the first time I was thinking a lot about my discography and the albums and sort of context with one another. And I think that you can only really do that when you get to number three in a way. And so I was thinking about like color palette, both sonically and visually, you know, Psychopomp is this like melancholy kind of light blue color and then soft sounds is, is, you know, red and black. And um, so I felt like I wanted to make something very warm and, and brightly colored. So the album color even is, you know, the, these like lighter yellows and, and oranges. And I think even that sort of like extends to the sonic quality of the record. A lot of it is, it's very, um, I don't know, it feels like very forward and very warm and, and lighthearted in a way and, and more playful and ambitious. And, and that was sort of what I was going for with this record. How did that kind of manifest itself as you were creating that sonic landscape. How did you, were, were you uh, looking for certain kind of feelings or atmospheres? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the songs are very, have a very sweet quality and a kind of like, um, yeah, a jubilant quality. And, and they're, um, they're the largest arrangements that I think that we've put out into the world. We've, we, we used a lot of like brass and woodwind and um, string arrangements to right. kind of create a, a much larger environment. And for you, was this uh, in that sense then also an album of experimentation or did you know quite well what you wanted? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that there's always a, a huge element of experimentation in, in the album making process, but I did also do a lot more arrangement before I went into the studio and, and tried to do a lot of um, a lot of like kind of almost pre-production and then I went into the studio kind of focusing more on tone mm. but certain but not all of the songs were like that some of them were, were definitely really put together in the studio as well. You say it was uh, recorded in 2019 what was the span that, that it was written in was it that year? say a majority of the songs were written um like in the fall and winter of 2019 um but there were some songs that I kind of had demos of or in my back pocket for a while like Be Sweet was written in February of 2018 um and then In Hell is a song that I've had for a long time I think maybe even in the late 2017 so um some of the songs and then I think Posing in Bondage was also a demo that we had since 2018 at least um, so some of the songs we like picked back up, and but a majority of it was written in in 2019 in the, in the fall and winter. Because I'm trying to kind of find the, the mind space that you were in as you were writing these songs. So um, because there there are uh, very, they are very different songs in terms of what you talk about and where where you go with the song. So the bulk of it uh, being written in 2000, 2019. What kind of year was that for you, uh, both on a personal level and on a creative level? Honestly, 2019 was an incredibly charmed year for me. Um, I, I was playing like some of the biggest shows of our lives and our band had grown so much larger than I, I could have ever anticipated. And, and we were traveling a lot and, and um, yeah, just we were, we were, you know, it just felt like we had made it, in a way, you know, and um I had been working on this book and it was a very, you know, isolating and new and frustrating, uh, lonely process. So by the time I submitted my first draft, I was just so excited to kind of like fall back into the bed of something I was very familiar with and uh, get to work with, with, you know, my longtime collaborator, Craig Hendricks, and also invite other musicians that I loved into the project to sort of see what happened. I felt a lot more 
you know, I felt like I was returning to a medium that I felt most comfortable in. So I was just very, I was very in a, in a joyful place when making this record, but I also felt like, you know, I had a lot to prove, like it had been a couple of years since our last record came out. And so I really wanted to just um, make something big and bombastic. And like you said, you felt like you've made it. So, so along with that, did that produce some pressure? Uh, did, did that create some pressure? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I hate to say it, but I feel like I, I will always put pressure on myself. I feel like when, when you stop putting pressure on yourself, maybe you have this real fear that you're, you've stopped wanting to grow. And I never wanted to rest on any laurels. If, mm. if the band gets bigger, that just means I have to push harder to reach like a new height. You know, there's this new expectation and there's new financial means and there's new players. And, you know, I just I never want to get lazy with it because mm. I, I recognize like how much of a lottery it is to win the ticket of um, getting to make music for a living. You know, and I have plenty of friends that I consider far more talented than me that don't have this opportunity. So I I want to really prove to myself and feel in my heart that I deserve to be here and I've done everything I can to make the, the best arts that I that I can to give to people. This is maybe a somewhat unfair question about your own music then, but why do you think that people have, uh, that your music has resonated with so many people? I have no idea, you know, I mean, I think that I would, I think that we, we don't, you know, some of my friends who I, who I, you know, wish have seen more success, I guess, you know, mm -hmm. part of it is because as a musician, their, their music is more interesting to me because it's somewhat comp, you know, maybe a little bit more difficult, you know, mm -hmm. and I think at, at its root, the music that I make is, is rooted in, in pop. It's like, I, I like to make music that just sounds good and is palatable and has, I guess some, you know, like, I, I don't think I try to make difficult music purposefully, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. I think that I, I am interested in working within structures and touching people emotionally in a very um, maybe simple way and so, some, somehow. And I think that part of that has resonated with people, a, a larger audience. And um, yeah, I mean, I would like to believe that I've just been very vulnerable and honest. And that's something that, that also tends to, to hit people in a personal way. But beyond that, I really, I really don't know. You know, I've just tried my best and created work that's interested in me and I've gotten really lucky that it's um you know hit some people right and I agree I do think that you your songs are very relatable to people it's a very very I don't I don't know if this sounds bad but an ordinary response to these difficulties we find in life it's it's very uh unique mm. yeah um, Because you mentioned, for instance, uh, feeling that isolation as you were writing the book. And is this then where a song like Posing in Bondage comes from, that they're kind of wanting to reach, reach out to people? Um, I think for that song, you know, I, I feel like I'm a very, you know, I'm an only child and, and a creative person. And so I'm very sensitive and, you know, emotionally needy. And so I think that I just like to imagine scenes in which those feelings are more interesting. You know? <laughs> yeah. um, so I think that I just, I love the image of, of this woman who's so desperate for attention that she's waiting and uh, done up in bondage for someone who never comes home and, and what a like sad and, and striking yeah. image that is. Um, and, and sort of comes to like represent, uh, you know, a more basic feeling of just wishing that uh, someone paid you more attention, I guess. 
Um, and so that's where that came from. Okay. Um, then there's uh, Kokomo, Indiana. Uh, I wondered why Kokomo, because I, I tried to find a connection, but I couldn't really find it. And I, I don't really read other interviews because I don't want to be influenced too much. Yeah, that's great. Um, uh, Kokomo, Indiana, you know, that song, I was I was taking a lot of, um, I was taking guitar lessons again uh, the year okay. before I, I wrote this record. And as, as many guitar teachers will do, they'll teach you, they'll make you learn a lot of Beatles songs. Mm -hmm. And so I was playing a lot of Beatles songs and I was learning about, you know, minor fourth chords and like, you know, playing a lot of major sevens and, you know, just... I, I wrote this song that, that incorporated a lot of these sort of like classic Beatles-y type of elements to it. And so it kind of came out to be like, you know, a very sweet, simple song about like kind of teenage love and, and longing that a lot of, you know, the earlier Beatles stuff is about. And so I kind of came up with this narrative of this like young boy um, who lives in a small town who's saying goodbye uh, to his like high school sweetheart as she goes off to like an, for an exchange program in Australia. But it was sort of seen through this like mature lens of like, wouldn't it be nice of instead of being like so overdramatic and heartbroken about this experience is that you have this like really sweet way to look at it of just like, you know, we're, we're young and you know, you are so incredible and you have so much to give to the world. And this is how, you know, these are the things that I fell in love with and it would be selfish to keep them for myself in this small town. And you have to go and show off to the world, you know, those parts of yourself and, and you have so much to learn and so much to, to do. Um, and so I, I just love that sentiment. I wanted to write this very sweet song. And my drummer and, and the co-producer of the album, Craig Hendricks, was like, oh, it's like um, it's like someone like Evan, like a, as a teenager. And Evan was our, our project manager at, at the label. And the label was based in, in Bloomington, Indiana. Okay. So I was like, oh, yeah, it's just like Bloomington, Indiana. And so I texted our project manager. I was like, oh, I kind of wrote this like fan fiction of what I imagined your life as a teenager in Bloomington, Indiana was like. And he was like, I didn't grow up in Bloomington. I grew up in Kokomo, Indiana. And I was like, that's even perfect, more perfect. I didn't have a title for the song. So I called it Kokomo, Indiana. And I kind of like the, you know, because there's also Kokomo, uh, the song by the Beach Boys. And it, you know, has a similar kind of like, um, you know, classic sort of Beach Boys sort of song. And a lot of their songs are also about this kind of like teenage longing of, you know, wouldn't it be nice if we were older? Um, so yeah, that's why it's called Kokomo, right. Indiana. And the way you describe it now, um... Is it also very autobiographical in the sense that that kind of that idea of opening yourself up to uh, to the world and and kind of seeing the beauty in it and, and moving forward? Kind of. I think I you know like I'm in my 30s. I'm a married woman. I don't like experience the kind of you know intense like teenage desire yeah. that I used to that make really great songs that everyone wants to listen to. So I think like I wanted to channel you know, my memories of, of my like adolescence and like mm -hmm. how, what those feelings were like. But of course at that age, like I would have never had the maturity to think that way. I would have just been very, woe is me, melodramatic about it. And so I think that I was kind of looking at, you know, a teenage experience of mine of like, you know, saying goodbye to a relationship sort of ending too soon because of circumstance and um, what I, what I wish I had the maturity to to think of it, you know, cause like, isn't it beautiful that you got to have this experience together, but of course it's not meant to be forever. And, and that's beautiful too, you know? And so that was sort of where I was coming from with that song. Okay. And you mentioned playing a lot of uh, Beatles songs as you were trying to kind of uh, pick up the guitar again. Um, I've, I've heard about authors uh, kind of copying entire books by, by people they, they admire. And then what have, what have you discovered about music by, by 
delving into these these songs by by arguably one of the greater bands in the world uh, uh, that has ever been. You know, I've always been someone that's sort of like willfully ignorant of music theory. And um, I think that I just was always so worried about, you know, it like impacting my like naive songwriting ability or whatever. And I think what I learned from that experience is that, you know, it can add, it, it can only really add to your toolbox and, and palette, you know, and, and with the Beatles, it's like, these are all, these are undeniably songwriters who had a, great understanding of composition and chord changes and progression and um, theory. And, and, you know, they employed it in this like mathematical way of what makes it interesting to do all these types of chord changes, you know, and they knew exactly how like a minor fourth would like pervert a feeling, you know? And so um, learning that made me just really excited to, to add it into my music because I, I'd never worked with that before. And so, um, yeah, I learned a lot from that. It was really, I feel like it opened me up in a, a lot of, in a big way. Right. Well, to round off then, because you mentioned kind of, uh, well, the last couple of albums have been received quite well. And I've seen the, the new songs that have been released have been uh, re received quite well. Um, what is it like uh, for you personally, the, that anticipation of releasing an album? Is, is, is it a, an anxious uh, period? What is it like? Yeah, I mean, it was. And now it's like been so long and we're in such strange times mm -hmm. that it, that anxiety seems so kind of petty, you know, like I, because like I had so much lead up time to this album, I think I was just like, I'm just at the point where I'm just so excited for it to come out and be done with it and move on with my life. Um, and, you know, like, oh, so I think I was like really, really nervous about the book because I've never released a book before that it almost like um, made me much less nervous about this album, which is at this point has become sort of old hat and, and the initial responses to the record have been really positive. And so I, I'd maybe like less afraid uh, or less anxious than I normally would be. But um, maybe that will change closer to June when when things start to pop up about right. it and I start stewing over reviews. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's probably just just don't read them. I, I would uh, recommend uh, just in general what what people write uh, on yeah, social yeah, media yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Um, but, but do you have any expectations then in terms of success because uh, certain, uh, well, because uh, music has been received so well so far? Do you, when, when, how do you think about success in a way? You know, like I come from a DIY background and I have been playing in bands since I was 16 years old and I have done the grind you know and I was sure. like sort of a late bloomer to the success in a way but you know I was totally happy I wasn't totally happy but you know I I slept on couches for a long time and I like toured in a minivan you know and I've toured in a 15 passenger van and I've toured you know I I, I truly felt that if the band could ever get to a place where we could you know play to like 250 500 capacity venues in a 15 passenger van uh, and maybe the four of us could all share one ho hotel room at the Holiday Inn, that that was great. You know what I mean? Like that was like the height of my ambition. And so to be where we are at now, it's just mind blowing. I truly like, you know, I just never, you know, we might like the plan is for us to be on a tour bus for the first time uh, this year. And I never in my wildest teenage <laughs> dreams, 
would have said to you with a straight face, like someday I'm going to be on a tour bus. Even that was just like unrealistic. I'm totally happy in a van playing shows and, and whatever. And so you told me that I would be playing in, in you know, probably like to 3000 people in New York and uh, on a tour bus and, and that we would have, you know, a larger band and crew that we're going with. Like, you know, I'm just along for the ride at this point, you know, it's all just like above and beyond my expectation and it's great. And I'm just trying to work as hard as I can to like, kind of keep up with it. Um, so I really don't know what's in store. It's all like so surreal. Uh, I just want to like, I just want to focus on like what I can do to feel like I deserve to be there in a way. And so um, that's just where I'm at. I, I don't even know what's to come, uh, but it seems, seems bigger than anything I, I, I could imagine. And, and that's pretty, that's, that's all right with me. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the, the fun thing about the future. Nobody knows. And it's, it's kind of uh, exciting to see what will happen. Uh, so Michelle, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. And I oh, thank you. you. This was really enjoyable, day. actually. Thank you so much. Thank Robin. you.